The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett, and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 61. Good baseball number there. We got a great show today with a special guest from the Pitcherless Podcast family. I'm Van Burnett, joined as always by my partner in crime, Steve Giswelli. Thank you all for tuning in. We got a fun show today. We're talking stat cast metrics, how they can be used, also what to watch out for, make sure you're using them right. And for that topic, we're bringing on a very special guest, Scott Chu. And Scott joins us on his birthday, first of all. Happy birthday, Scott. And yeah, yeah, Scott, man. In addition to being my uh, former pitcherless manager, Scott does a lot of things. Uh, You know, we could probably talk about how you've you've, uh, created fantasy curling, unless that's like a Dr. Evil invented the question mark claim <laughs> no uh, no it's 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 totally true it's in the it's in the wall street journal <laughs> i have it framed in my house yeah maybe, maybe that's gonna be uh an off the wall uh link in our show notes there but yeah scott's also on hacks and jacks pitcherless podcast with joe galena i believe they are uh one day before us you guys got to be checking them out and we'll be talking about some of the the topics they were hitting on last week on this show with StatCast, uh, you guys were a finalist for the Fantasy Sports Writer Association Best Podcast this year. You know, we, we, we ran India <laughs> in the the brackets. You know, oh, we yeah. got our, our moment in the sun there. But Scott, super glad to uh, talk, have you on. Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks. I'm pumped to be here. It's going to be it's going to be fun. I I take every opportunity I can to rant about this because like my friends and family have had enough. Right. (laughs) Like They don't they don't care. So we we are the platform. We are the platform. And, uh, you know, segue to introducing uh, you, Steve, hear how you're doing, but also just the uh, impetus for this show, because I I love that uh, this is one of those things where it was like the uh, rant so nice. We got to do it twice, and and you called that one out. So, Steve, how's it going, man? Good to talk to you again. It's good, man. Uh, life with a two-week-old is uh, pretty uh, stressful and tired. It's not that I'm more tired. Like I'm, you're just always tired. Uh, there, there's a there's a, a distinction between that, and it's 
it, it takes a lot of getting used to. Like, yeah, you know, when you're when you're extremely tired, like you you know you go to sleep, and you get a good night's sleep, and then and then you're good. But you know, with with a with a new kid at home, and Scott, I'm I'm sure you you know this. It you're just never ever ever able to catch up. So uh, with that, I, I've kind of just been sitting on the couch watching baseball with 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 my uh, two week old. Uh, she doesn't really seem to like it very much. I've tried to explain to her X stats, but she she didn't really get it yet. Uh, but I guess to segue that into the 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 idea for this show, I was listening to Hacks and Jacks last week, and Scott went on. Uh, I I guess I would call it like a mini rant. It was like a Stephen A. Smith, you know first take uh viral more, rant or anything more, like that probably more monologue now that yeah I know that. yeah it was probably more, more monologue. monologue yeah a monologue on x that's that's the word for it uh, and just how it could be misconstrued and even you know with the use of Statcast becoming more and more mainstream and everyone's on baseball savant now um, just how you can kind of fall into a trap with with expected stats and, and and how to use them properly and then how to use them to your advantage. So uh, we we've hit on that topic before. I know we talked about it with uh, with Grant Washburn a, a few episodes back. Um, kind of the flaws in more of a micro sense in this year with X stats, but um, I think it's a great topic and uh, you know there's no one better to have on than uh, the guy who puts together the the hitter list. Uh, you know. Uh, list for for pitcher list each week uh, knows hitters in and outs and and uh, with Scott Chu so uh, really appreciate you coming on to talk about it and uh, taking the time on your birthday even though your boy uh, Scooble got uh, probably one of his worst outings for the year on his birthday he, on your birthday he couldn't uh, couldn't put it together for you there but uh, he actually picked with the year with the year my, he's having it's fine he actually pitched on my birthday last year as well uh, <laughs> randomly except he was at home then. So I got like third row tickets, like behind, uh, like a little bit behind home plate, right. but like just far enough off screen so that you're not on the camera the whole time. It was great. Met a nice family from St. Louis because the Cardinals were in town. Had a great time. But I'm, I'm really glad that you guys had already the conversation about X stats and what's going on with this year, because that's one of the hardest things to get out of the way is that this is like it, every time we say, oh, it's a new ball. That means X stats is less reliable now until we have more data. And like though, getting that stuff, like once you, once you start understanding that the world opens up to all the things that StatCast can't tell you. Yeah. And it's good and, and bad because, you know, on, on one sense, we all use this. And I think the general fantasy community is quickly getting on board with checking out, you know, a savant page or seeing the sliders, you know, blood red and and using that as a quick barometer of like if a player is going to break out. With that said, there's kind of as an, an analyst with all these variables changing, it makes life a little bit trickier, but it's like the old saying like if it was easy anybody would do it. So that's where I think t- this is a great topic and we'll talk about kind of the broader, you know, I guess, theory around how to evaluate X stats on such a weird year and just in general. And then like Steve, you mentioned, Scott does the hitter list. We'll definitely shift gears and and sprinkle in some, some player analysis here and there, but let's jump in Scott and talk about it because it it was, uh, you know, the monologue, or I think you said it was your favorite rant of the season. And this is all based around, I guess, the makeup of, X stats and XBA specifically. 
So, you know, without asking you to kind of go through the the entire speech, I think we can just open up the dialogue with some some Q&A here and Steve feel free to jump in. We'll we'll play it loose, but I guess just for the general listener, Scott, like what's the what's the highest level summary of where X stats you have to have some some caution around how you assess them because the the color red might be a little deceiving if you're not thinking about everything that goes into the the metric. Yeah, there's a couple things you have to understand. Number one is every time you use a single stat to understand something, uh, you're always missing a lot of context, right? Because the more a stat puts something in context, the less it tells you about how they got there. Good example would be something like WRC+. There's a lot of ways to get to the same WRC+, right? Which means there's a lot of ways to get to the same expected batting average, right? Like there's multiple formulas to get there. One of the things that's tough about StatCast is it can only read certain ways to get it. Like it, it can only read essentially three independent variables. It's, uh, it's exit velocity. They read that launch angle. They read that. Uh, and then on certain types of batted balls, like weak contact, they'll measure, like they'll look at the sprint speed because, you know, good old Juan Pierre, the slash and dash, uh, his expected batting average on a, you know, weak, you know, a weak ground ball to short is just much higher than Miguel Cabrera's, right? It just, yeah. they, they factor some of that in. It doesn't change as much as you'd think, uh, but it does impact it. They do look at it, but there's so many things that they don't look at. They don't look at direction of the ball, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and to think about it more, you'd think, how can I, how would you be able to evaluate a hitter without knowing at all what direction they hit the ball? Right. And also when it comes to managers trying to suppress another team's batting average, what do they do? They shift, they use defensive positioning because they know that direction of the ball matters. Right. And you can, for example, overload to one side. So that ground ball doesn't have the normal expected batting average of a ground ball. Right. Because, uh, yeah, sure. It's a good exit velocity and the launch angles low, but it's hard, but there's two more infielders over there, <laughs> right? right? Like that's not, it can't be a hit. So by understanding those things, this doesn't mean that expected batting average is bad, right? It is the, it's probably the best single metric we have currently about luck, right? Either expected batting average, expected slugging or expected WOBA, right? Which are all derivatives of the same thing right? They just remove variables as they go. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's really fun to kind of like use that to then say, oh, hey, I mean, the rant or the monologue particularly was about Christian Walker. Because everyone's looking at this expected batting average gap. It was like one of the biggest in the league. Like, oh, he's a huge bounce back candidate. Here's the 275 versus like 200 or something. Here's the problem. Two things. One, no matter how much we are certain a stat will correct, we have no idea when that will happen or how, right? Like mm-hmm. it may be gradual. It may happen next year, right? We don't know because that's just sort of the way things work because the number of variables going on behind the scenes, like one of the reasons that I'm worried about Christian Walker is teams are going to start pitching him differently, right? If I can identify flaws on baseball savant, you can, you know, you can bet a million dollars that every other baseball team has figured out the same hole and more so. Right. Like they know they always know more than we do. So if I identify a flaw, I'm like, oh, crap. Other teams know about this. And are they going to do something about it? But 
the trap is always the same. And I, I write the hitter list and I love the interactions I get, but a lot of them are, they, they sound the same. So-and-so has a high expected batting average on StatCast. Is he legit? Right. This is the Brendan Donovan question. This is the early season Owen Miller question, right? Like everyone wants to know, is it legit? And I'm like, well, the expected batting average tells you that he's not lucky, right? If it's a high expected batting average and a high regular batting average, it's not luck, but it might not be skill either, right? Because anybody good enough to make it to the major leagues can get hot for 50 to hundred plate appearances, anyone. And they can do it more than once even without actual skill changes. They just get hot sometimes. And this, I mean, this was like Jed Lowry for like a decade, right? Like right. get hot for like a month, a year. And that's like, cool. He's good enough to do that, but he's not good enough to do it all the time or even very often. And those are the things that StatCast can never tell you. So by talking about all that, I hope, you know, when, when you're doing when you're doing analysis on StatCast, it's super great, super helpful. And also you want to try to figure out more rolling, like rolling charts, for example, are a way to learn more, right? Not just what their expected batting average is, but is it on the upswing or the downswing, right? What's it been like for the last 50 plate appearances? Those kinds of things. You just have to get more context than just, Hey, look, he hits it really hard. <laughs> okay. Yeah, for sure. And, and one thing I think you mentioned on the show, Scott, that I wanted to probe a little bit on is I think you had mentioned that you actually prefer like of the X stats, X Woba might be a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say reliable, but if I'm saying that wrong, stop me. But is there a reason why, why you kind of prefer X Woba is maybe a little bit more of a stable way to view that? Yeah. And it's simply because, um, it's giving you a better understanding of what those hits are like, right? Batting average doesn't tell you how hard someone hits it. It just tells you how often they get to at least first base when they make contact. Yeah. That's functionally all it tells you. But expected Woba also will tell us how far expect we expect them to be able to run before they have to stop, right? Because mm-hmm. it knows that with this exit velocity and this launch angle, the average slugging was this. And the average batting average was this. And they can, you know, use other details to extrapolate into expected WOBA. We, an expected WOBA per, you know, per at bat because we looked at all thousand of them we have in the backlog, and this is what they averaged out to, right? But again, yeah. it is just an average because it, it knows it can't do direction, it knows it can't do defensive positioning, it knows it doesn't know what players were on the other team's outfield or infield, right? Um, and it doesn't like there's just a lot of things it can't tell you, but. The expected WOBA is, again, the best single stat for like, it, does this is this guy worth paying attention to for right now, right? Have Or better yet, have they been worth paying attention to? Because again, StatCast doesn't tell you anything about the future. Expected is almost misleading because we don't mean expected going forward. Right. We mean expected up till now. And that's one of the biggest things that people have to know. Yeah, and I think that it was, you know, rose-colored glasses usually what we've been talking about steve was in terms of hit direction is just for hitters who kind of spray to all fields and you you think to you you think about that as a a good hit tool the the ability to kind of inside out go opposite field all of that we've talked about in the past as not being picked up on for xba so we've kind of said you know they might even be missing you know another advantage to this player's game but 
the flip side that you brought up, Scott, was that for guys who are extreme pole hitters, you might be seeing a little bit more of a potentially misleading XBA because it's not accounting for the shift. Again, managers can adjust and shift on them. I thought it was kind of interesting. I went out and was just looking at like ground ball shift percentages this year. And some of them, like Corey Seager was on there. He's sixth in XBA differential where his XBA is much higher than his batting average. He's also sixth in the league on shift percentage of 150 plate appearances. So that was like, you know, and there were some other names that kind of appeared on the list, but I was like, okay, it's starting to click that that's, that's a really good way to just, you know, temper expectations, I guess. Yeah. I was actually having a discussion in the discord about Juan Soto and why I'm currently a little bit worried about Juan Soto Uh, more so than the expected stats would lead on. But, you know, from there, what I'm seeing is I can use other StatCast data to give me more context. Like, okay, so what's going on with Juan Soto? Everything on the main page, right? And that's, I try to think of it in the way that my league mates are analyzing this player. And then I want to do more than that, right? I mean, that's that's supposed to be my advantage. I figure out how well you're thinking of something and I try to do it a little better than you. So I look and I say, okay, I don't want to just assume he's going to bounce back. Because first of all, he's Juan Soto. He will, right? But what needs to happen first? How can I try to find when the turnaround is happening? Because you don't want to use the stats from the last 15 days because you might like it might be over, right? You might have already done the upswing and now you're just late on the information. So I look at Juan Soto and I'm like, yeah, hmm, this is weird. Oh, look, his average exit velocity on ground balls, super low. It dropped by five miles an hour. That's huge. Right. Because last year he was 20th in the league in average ground ball velocity, right? Off the bat. Yeah. And this year he's like 203rd. Wow. So, like, you want to know why his batting average is low and his bad bip is low? Because an 80 mile an hour ground ball is almost always an out. Like, there's no, I mean, unless you're Juan Pierre, it is really hard to get on base with that kind of contact. So, it's just like, it's that next step. It's like, okay, the expected batting average is way off. Is there something that might explain that? Because I know that StatCast can't, or I know that expected batting average doesn't know a lot of things. So, when I look at the leaderboard for the gap between expected batting average and batting average, you see Carlos Santana on it all the time. He's in the top 20 perennially, right? And it's not because he's really unlucky. I said this in the monologue, but it's because he's really predictable as a hitter. He can get hot like he is sort of right now and do some better things, but like he rolls a lot of ground balls in like into the shift. That's what he does all the time. So he's not unlucky. He's just not very good, but sometimes gets hot, right? And like, like, oh, his expected batting average. Yeah, you can hit it as hard as you want through that hole, right? Like you can be Yandy Diaz with, you know, like wine barrel biceps and it doesn't matter because they stuck a bunch of defenders over there. Like they'll slap the ball down and get it to first before you get there. Yeah, that's great insight. And Steve, I think we were talking about it as well with Grant Washburn, but what are your thoughts on just kind of, you know, listening back, hearing that, and also, you know, kind of the, the additional topic is the new ball and kind of how you factor in that with, with all the making sense of StatCast data, I guess. Yeah, uh, the biggest thing that that's, that I took from that, and I, I think Scott made a great point, the, the, the term expected definitely is not fair because when you hear that, you think like, 
oh, he's hitting 250, but he was expected to be hitting 300. He's unlucky. And for all those reasons Scott listed, that's not the the game to play. Like you're going to be at a disadvantage if that's simply how you're looking at it because of all those factors, you know, like, you know, the shift and ball direction and, you know, uh, where the, 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 the players are playing you and, and if you're getting shifted or not. So I think that, you know, it's more like deserved and I guess maybe, it, you know, deserved BABIP or, you know, there's no like D, D, <laughs> BA or something like that. It just doesn't sound as good, but like that's sort of what you, you what you deserved rather versus uh, expected, I think is a, a better way and, and fair way to put it to, to tamper your, you know, no pun intended expectations when you're looking at these stats. Um, as far as, you know, to loop in what we talked about with Grant and a new run environment, I think there was a really good point and, and there's just a, a way to be able to look at these stats that you can gain an advantage. You know, you might not be able to tell, okay, this person should be hitting 300 and he's just hitting 220 because of his uh, XBA is telling you that, but you can compare it at least to the league and to what they've done in the past and use it as a comparison tool. We talked about it with Grant, and I think it was just a really eye-opening discussion because you know with this new run environment, those n- metrics that go into determining what your XBA is, launch angle and exit velocity, with this new new ball in the humidor. The same launch angle and exit velocity in 2022 is not leading to the same exit velocity, same batting average as those same exit velocities and launch angles did in 2020, 2021, and especially 2019 when the ball was juiced. So, on top of it being flawed, on top of there, you know, being a limited amount of data points that go into determining what XBA is there's these changing factors that you know we're not calibrated for at least yet with the new environment so it, it becomes even more troublesome to to see that like if you look at at x stats this year a lot of guys are going to look like they're unlucky but they're really not it's just a new ball and new run environment that same launch angle and that same exit velocity is not leading to the same higher batting average or slugging percentage so it's another wrinkle that you know, this new run environment um, mm-hmm. makes it even more difficult to look at these stats. And yes, uh, I've talked about it ad nauseum on this show that when the weather heats up and the humidor starts working in the opposite direction, when the air is more humid and the ball is having water drained from it rather than put into it, uh, in most stadiums at least, um, it, offense is going to tick up, but you know, it's still different and it's still going to have the same problem, you know, because it's a new run environment. So I think that, you know, and I definitely want to get Scott's thoughts on it, but to be able to use X stats sort of as a comparison tool um, and say, okay, hey, like this guy's XBA compared to the league or, or to a few other players that I'm looking at is a lot better. And, you know, uh, compared to his years past, he's deserved a lot more than what he did even in 2019, um, that's something to sort of use to your advantage as like a comparison tool, which I don't think is the most intuitive way to, to look at it. I think most people 
like what Scott says he sees in the comments on on hitters list. Hey, like, is this legit? His XBA says it should be. Um, that's the like the first way. I think the most common way that to think of X stats, but to use it as like a comparison tool relative to the field and to like prior stats, I think uh, is is a really interesting uh, way to put it. And, and uh, shout out to Grant again for for having that discussion with us. Yeah, and I mean. There's so many fun things in there. I mean, fun, hard, but fun, right? That's what a hobby is, right? It's a little bit hard for you. It's a sure. little bit good for your brain, you know? Uh, but the way like you can use this to look at, for example, other batted ball profiles that are similar, right? You can be like, all right, this isn't the only guy who's like this, right? Like I look at Christian Walker and say, this is not the only right-handed pull hitter out there. It's just not, you know, there's no possible way. So let's look at them or, all right, I'm seeing a bunch of batters on the leaderboard for like most unlucky. And like, man, a bunch of them have a similar profile, right? Like it mm-hmm. lets me do the next step because, you know, I actually worked with some of our data folks and across the board, it all levels itself out a bit. When you say like, Oh, do heavy pull hitters tend to have better or worse expected batting averages. Right. Um, sometimes, right. It depends on the player. And it depends on the rest of their batted ball profile, right? So, like, yeah, Christian how hard Walker they're hitting has, it. Like, well, you know, if Christian, Christian Walker gets a lot of a lot of his low batting average just comes from their home runs, right? Like, nothing lands in grass for Christian Walker, right? And if it does, it gets to first base before he does, you know. So, it, and it's simply because the type it's the type of hitter he is right now, right? You, you, when you see guys sell out for power, you also see them hit a lot of weak ground balls. The, the Joey Gallo problem, for example, where mm-hmm. he hits a ton of really weak ground balls. You'd think like, oh, they must be smoked. Nope, it's because he missed badly, right? It's because he swung right over the top of a breaking ball or something and only nicked it, went straight down. But like the reason you try to think through things is you use StatCast, you go, okay, this like, what is the, is this player doing anything special? Right. Like, okay, yeah, exit velocity is good and all that stuff's good. But have they made any changes to the rest of their profile? Right. Like, what are the rest? What are the rest of the stats? Like, one, sometimes you just got to get off StatCast because regular stats tell you really important things. Or you look at the rolling charts available right on StatCast and you go, okay, is this within the normal range? Because there's so many times, especially early in the season, someone will say, this is the best strikeout rate of their career. And it's actually not. Right, it'd be their best season-long strikeout rate if it if the season ended today. But they've had better strikeout rates over 50, 100, 200 game samples. Right, rolling stats will tell you that. It'll tell you like, oh yeah, this player is routinely um, up and down with their expected batting average, and yeah, it's coming down, but everything still looks normal. Right, all of the rolling charts look the same. Ultimately, like they go up and down because they start doing well, pitchers adjust player gets a little worse and ideally makes another adjustment, gets better, moves on. Right. But like those, like when you take StatCast, use it as a comparison tool and also just add more context. Comparing adds context. Looking at rolling charts and time adds context. I think the biggest mistake people make is one, thinking that it tells the future and two, thinking that these are the only stats now. Mm-hmm. And I guess a flip side of the coin I wanted to ask you about, Scott, is you know, with shedding light, and I think one thing we haven't mentioned that, that you had um, dug up was that the XBA this year is 14 times uh, the, the gap between the XBA and the league-wide batting average 
the XBA is 14 times higher this year than it has been in past years. Usually they're neck and neck and it's very reflective of one another. This year it looks like it's dramatically higher XBA is. So it looks like a lot of players are basically getting unlucky when that might be just some some bad data because of the new environment, the ball and everything. So my question is kind of flipping that to the other side. If you were to to look at guys who appear to have been lucky so far this season, is there merit to being extra worried about people whose batting average is underperforming their XBA? So like Xander Bogarts, number one in the majors for kind of the difference between their batting average and XBA, um, or I guess how got to make sure I'm saying this right, but their batting average appears to be overperforming their XBA. Uh, Luis Arias, Andrew Vaughn, Jeff McNeil, all in the top 10 there. Because of the fact that XBA might be a little inflated this year, do you think it's that's a way to look at this as well as potentially more cause for concern for some of those names? I, I like that you bring this up because the way the way you'd think about that for me is maybe, right, I want to look at case by case. And the reason I want to do that is because if your assumption there, I think works, if you do it across the board, I bet you have like a 60% hit rate, right? Where Mm -hmm. like, I will, you know, I will project these guys are all going to get worse. And like, I bet 60% of them do. The problem Mm -hmm. is the the winning is knowing the 40% that won't, right? Like, who are those guys? That's who we're trying to find, right? Because like, Let's say we know that Xander Bogarts is going to regress in batting average. Who cares? He's your starting shortstop. He's batting three thirty-five. He has <laughs> yeah, room. Like, like, it, like this doesn't. Th- those guys are those guys are doing really well. So like they are going like it, it just yeah. if you think about it intuitively like no you know J D Martinez wasn't going to hit three eighty for the year like you know he's down to three thirty like yes like those guys are going to regress just intuitively you can kind of put that together too. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is, you know, there's one stat that I love on Statcast that I never hear anyone talk about. And it actually made me think of Luis Arias, even though I'm not entirely sure he's on this, you know, I don't know where he is on this leaderboard. It's probably somewhere high. It's sweet spot percent, right? It's how often they hit a ball with an ideal launch angle, right? And in those, of course, direction does still really matter, right? Line drive direction really matters because, you know, line drives go up gaps. It's like, well, how is this player hitting the ball? Right. Like I was a little bit excited about Alec Bohm because, you know, it's like, oh, he's got a good expected batting average, too. Yeah, because he has a huge sweet spot percent. He hits a lot of stuff over the infield and in front of the outfield. Right. But like there's a limited amount of success you can have that way. It's the same thing kind of that Paul Spore was talking about with Luis Arias on on Twitter, where it's like, you guys, this is what these players do. They do go on some hot streaks, hit a home run or two. But like. Luis Arias, Stephen Kwan, like you, mm-hmm. what you learn from StatCast is you start understanding certain player types, right? Like there's certain guys with very similar profiles. It doesn't mean they're the same, but when you identify profiles, that's when you can start getting quicker at, okay, I buy this expected batting average more because with this profile, I'd actually expect it to be worse, right? Like I would expect a player with this kind of profile, they tend to, they tend to lag their expecting batting average and he's over it. That's great. Might also mean a luck regression or something, but it just, I think the only mistake to really make is to just stop at the, the there's a gap that's going to get smaller. Cause like probably, but when, 
or, you know, and I should add, I was being a little dramatic when I said 14 times, right? That's because it previously was off by one point and it was off by 14 points. Right. <laughs> so right. it was 14 times more. That math tricks out to me. You're, you're good. <laughs> well, it's all true. All yeah, true. That's, that's all wins right. above fantasy math there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it, like, it's still, that's huge. Like for any significant sample for like a league wide sample is massive. It's like truly mad, like every batted ball in the league. And they're off by 14 points when they're usually off by. That's a a big deal. That's a big deal. And and I think a lot of it has to do with. I mean, it's exactly what the ball ball and the run environment. Yeah, it's it's that that is a really big deal uh, for to be that different. But also what I like about it is it sort of gave me a frame of reference. Like, okay, I usually. I usually operate with like a 20 to 25 point for like for batting average, right? Expected batting average. I usually add like a 10 point gap either way because I'm like expected stats. Like I know it can't do a lot of things. So if it's off by 15 points, I don't care. Right. Mm-hmm. In normal, you know, normal years, that's what I was doing. Cause I was like that small of a gap. Like, yeah, I might correct. It might not. Who cares? Right. It's, it's insignificant. It's not meaningful, but now I have I have to use an even wider range because I'm like, oh, expected expected batting average is just off. It it's off and we don't quite know exactly how it's affecting all profiles because we haven't done that kind of digging yet. But it's like, okay, so really what I'll do is oh, their batting average, like expected batting average and real batting average is off by 30 points. Okay, there's something there, but mm-hmm. not as much as something as there was in years past. Or at least and not reliably. And that's what Grant was was just to come back on that is, you know, if you see uh, uh, Glaber Torres and his XBA in 2020 and 2021 were both around 250 and this year it's at like a 290 and you see he's trading out ground balls for line drives, you start to piece together that story of like, even though it's looking at XBA and it's not the most reliable stat, it's still a better way to view that than just looking at his XBA right next to his actual batting average for this season. Yeah. That yeah, I think, just tells I, you to look. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that kind of is, is a nice bow on it. Like what Scott originally said, and I think the biggest way to, to, to take from this, it's like use XBA with a bunch of other stuff, like use it with context, use it with, you know, a guy's improvement and strikeout rate to, to, to find a, a buy, like use it with, uh, you know, uh, uh, improved swinging strike rate, uh, improved plate discipline, um, you know, things like that. Basically, the more that you use to put these theories together, I think, you know, the better you are, like the more tools that you have in your tool belt. X stats is, are one of them and should be one of them. Um, but the more you use, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, the last thing I wanted to ask about is just because a a healthy dose of the skepticism, and that's probably not the right word, but we've talked about the shift a handful of times. Do you think next year and beyond when the shift is banned, XBA will become much more reliable as a metric to look at just because you're kind of removing one major variable with like the hit direction factor and everything? Or what are your... What are your thoughts about the future, knowing that that's such a big change next year, Scott? First, I think that teams are still going to find ways to fill up predictable gaps, right? Okay, fine. I can't bring another infielder. I'll move the ones I got, right? Like <laughs> every time there's not someone on first, I'll leave a big old gap right up the middle. Yeah. Try me, Joey Gallo, right? 
Go up the middle, go the opposite way, I dare you. The shift is a gamble that the other player will try to take one base instead of hitting it hard and potentially getting two or three bases, right? Like that's all the, that's all the shift really does. It mm-hmm. says, okay, Poppy, it, I know that if you hit it hard, it's this direction. So you better hit it real hard <laughs> because I'm going to put a bunch of infielders there. So mm-hmm. one, I don't think it'll change much how I view expected batting average. It might fix a little, but because I still think teams will find ways to limit other players' batting averages, because that's what managers do to win ball games. Uh, I also just think that it wasn't looking there in the first place. It didn't think about shifts ever. So like it, it's a different variable for us, but not for the machine. The machine's going to keep trying to do the same thing it's been doing. And hopefully we've, you know, there might be a minor adjustment to expected batting average that starts shifting one way or another, but probably not much. And only on specific types of batted balls, right? It'll be on hard hit ground balls. We might see expected batting average change there. Like we might see expected batting average and real batting average get a lot closer together because a hard hit ground ball matters for the shift. But like, Robbie Grossman, for example, he's facing a weird kind of shift that you kind of have to get rid of X stats for because he's facing four outfielder shifts because he hits everything in the air. And that was just a way that teams decided to deal with him. And it's, it's harder. It's like, Oh, his expected batting average should be a lot better. Uh, but wait, you know, it's all in the outfield, but it's all, I, I like, I like that we're learning more. And as a sort of community, we're talking more about how to use these expected stats because I think they were seen as a grail when they showed up. And if anyone takes one thing away, it's that you should always use it in context. And just because there's a bunch of Ruby red on the Statcast page, doesn't mean you have more context because you actually get a lot of the same context over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, that's a great wrap up and we'll shift into a couple other topics and talk players as well. But first we are going to take a real quick ad break and we'll be right back. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, so we wanted to shift gears after that good discussion on on the Statcast XBA and talk about the hitter list that Scott Chu puts out for pitcher list every week, and we want to hear about that. But also, Steve, just maybe if you could set us off with a monologue of your own about kind of how you use uh, lists, whether it's you know Nick's uh, the the list for pitchers or Scott's hitter list, or anything else, really. Just want to let you kind of set this up and uh, kick it off before we get into the list itself and talk about some some names here. Yeah, this is another sort of thing. And, and you know, I, I see this a lot, you know, uh, obviously when, when 
the list drops on Mondays. Like it's a, you know, a big deal. Nick does his whole stream and everything like that. And there's a million questions in the Twitch chat. Uh, definitely check that out. Uh, you could watch Nick live on Twitch, put together the list. He answers all the questions. It's, it's awesome. If you ever have the time to do it on a, on a Monday while he does that. Um, but, but I see Scott dealing with the two, you know, there, there's always a lot of, Hey, why is X player ranked here? And, you know, he's had a better two weeks than player Y, um, you know, uh, a, a lot of questions like that. And, and like Scott sort of hit on like, oh, you know, this guy's X stats are, 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 are great. Is it legit? And I think it's sort of the inheritive issue with, with these lists. I know that we love lists as a fantasy community. We love le- rankings. Um, but I think there's a similar problem with X stats is that, you know, it's descriptive and not predictive. And I think it's why it's so important. I know Nick hammers it. And so does, so does Scott, like read the notes, read what they're, what the guys putting together this list are saying about these players. Cause you go and you look at these lists of players and it's just not really, you know, you're not going to get much out of it. If you don't know why a player is ranked a certain place, right. um, what the tiers mean, you know, I know that Scott writes this in, in, in his, article every week like if a guy's in the same tier and they're 10 ranks apart like it's totally fine to like one guy more than the other and it's not that big a deal the 10 ranking spots if they're in the same tier so there's things like that that i think you know sometimes get overlooked and i think it's it what makes those sort of jobs hard and me not jealous of of doing any rankings and why i would never really do a list or rankings or want to at least um and then I guess, you know, to sort of shift gears here, and I, I joke around in the chat with, with Nick and, and, you know, poke some fun, like, because these lists are descriptive and not predictive, like, if you go off of Nick's list, like, you were never going to add Spencer Strider, or, you know, you were never going to add Kyle Wright, because we are waiting for more data to, to you know, to buy in, quote unquote, I know that to rank someone ahead of that and to, to, to make a big jump, you need more data. So that's not wrong. It's not Rick. Nick's not wrong. in like saying, Hey, okay, let's see a few more starts from this guy before jumping him up to top 30. But you know, you're not going to have those guys on your team. If you need to wait for that, like it's good. The opportunity is going to be passed. Like you can't add, Spencer Strider now after he, you know, won the starting role and was good in most of his starts. I know he was just rocked on Tuesday night, so not the greatest example or timing for that, but it's it's the difficulty of doing these things because you do want to see more before officially ranking them and moving them up. But I don't know, it's almost like as as dumb as like power rankings are in sports, like that almost might be more useful in trying to get ahead of the curve for like breakout hitters. So I guess Scott for, for, for you, like that, that's sort of my question. Like how do you balance between like, okay, I want to jump on this guy because like his underlying numbers look good. He's hitting the ball harder. He's made improvements, but like the results aren't there. So I can't jump up and rank him. Like how do you balance that between like needing more of, of, proof and, and, and actual results and, and to be convinced for a hitter. Um, and maybe this is more of an issue with pitchers just because they, they start once every five days and the, the, you need to act more quickly. Like for yeah. hitters, like 
guys need to go on a streak for for a little longer. So there might not be as much of an issue that I'm sort of ranting about here. But I guess how do you how do you balance that to to find uh, where someone fits in your rankings versus like oh hey like this guy's really exciting let me jump on him now. Yeah, I think the first thing that can be tough is you know for Nick's list not that he has it easy but he gets to he gets data from every active pitcher once. He gets roughly the same mm-hmm. sample from most pitchers every week, right? Whereas with hitters, I get wildly different size samples from each hitter from week to week, right? It'll balance out a lot towards the end, but I don't get to see as much of them, right? Especially if maybe they got rained out or maybe, you know, anything that happens like that, it's really tough. But first I'll say power ranking is a great way to describe it, right? Because I, you know, I get asked a lot, like, does this mean this is what you think, you know, this is their ranking going forward? Like, well, first Let's talk about context. I don't know your league and what I've set this up for isn't real, right? It's, this is the vacuum, but let's be clear. There is no vacuum in real life. Yeah. Nobody does like nobody plays fantasy baseball in a vacuum. Cause then you wouldn't be playing against anybody else. Right. Like right. other players, like the moment you add in other players in your league and your settings and your rosters, like it matters, you know, it changes. And like what your team needs, like you're going to rank, you know, a guy who's an all, you know, you're going to rank Patrick wisdom. If you need homers more than Stephen Kwan, if you are good and average, right? Like, right. you know, the, like that's so true. And another great point. I mean, in, in a shallow league, I rank, uh, Anthony Santander, uh, 118th. I just bumped him up quite a bit, but here's the thing. Um, I've also got, let's say I'm going through, I'm trying to go through this. Like, let's say Kike Hernandez comes back. He just had a setback in his recovery, but he comes back and you need, you know, you need what he can do and not, you know, not him. Or, you know, you're, you're looking at Stephen Kwan and you want to cut Anthony Santander. It's because you have extremely different needs, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like you can't answer that. Like you don't, you can do this a little bit with pitchers, right? The nice thing about pitchers is you're often comparing, like starting pitching, you're comparing apples to apples a lot more often. Everyone's everyone's pitching, or for the most part, league's pitching stats are pretty much the same. Like it's like, right? It's K's, ERA, saves, whip, whip and like wins and losses or, or just wins. And even if you go quality starts. Hit, yeah, hitting it's so different. Like, yeah, even if you go quality starts, it's still the same thing. For hitting, like, what do you need for each category? For pitchers, it's like starting pitcher is going to do all that for me. Is he good or is he not? For hitters, there's so many more specific needs. It's it's so true. Yeah, and and like points leagues, right? Like, I'm like, well, does your does your points league care about strikeouts? That's a big deal. Does your points like most yeah. point leagues don't give a darn about a stolen base? You get some points for it, but like they don't care. Like they're not meaningful. It's not a way to generate value. So like, how do I rank a guy, you know, how do I rank like a, a true rabbit player? The, you know, the Miles straw, I mean, he's hitting really poorly. So he's like, basically, I mean, he's off the list, but like, he's really hard to rank. Cause I'm like, he is either still very meaningful to you and you should hold it because there's no other better source of stolen bases. That's probably going to hit your wire all the way to the other end of, you don't need him at all. You should have cut him yesterday. Right. Like both of those are incredibly plausible in the same size league. Right. <laughs> like right. in the same right. league, there are two yeah. players sitting there looking at Stephen Kwan. One doesn't care. One does. And it's not because one's smart and one's dumb. It's because one of them needs batting average and the other one doesn't. Right. Cause that's, that's what he <laughs> right. does. Right. Yeah. That's it. You know, so like in some, like the earlier you're like the higher up in the list you are, 
like the earlier in the list you are, the less that context matters, right? Like there's very few leagues where I'm willing to budge on Ronald Acuna Jr. or Jose Ramirez as your number one overall, right? Like mm-hmm. you got to start getting real weird on me to start being like, you. it can't be them. Right. right. Well, what do you mean it can't be? If they're the best hitters in baseball. They're probably the ones that you want. Right. Um, but once you start really getting down in the list, I mean, even starting with tier eight, like comparing Harrison Bader and Wander Franco is not easy. Should I take Harrison Bader or Wander Franco? Well, they're completely different skill sets. Uh, Harrison Bader it, like is almost the opposite, right? Because he'll get he'll give you these like gaudier home run and stolen base totals with the batting average being flux. Wander Franco is the opposite, right? He's not going to give you those gaudy power numbers or speed numbers that are so exciting, but he is going to do a little bit of everything and hit for a really high batting average. Totally different in like whether or not you need it. Or Jake Cronenworth, Ty France is another one. Like everybody, I swear to God, everybody wants, like everyone thinks I hate Ty France. I rank him as the 43rd best player <laughs> in baseball uh, for fantasy. Everyone thinks I hate him because he's been better than that. And first of all, this is not the rankings of how guys have been. You don't need that from me. You can get that from the Fangraphs auction calculator. Go do that, right? Go to ESPN's Play Raider. Go to that. That'll tell you how guys have been. And I'm also, this is not a projection system, right? I'm not projecting. I'm trying to blend both into what I buy right now. What is their power ranking right now? That's why guys at the bottom can have such wild fluctuations from week to week. Cause I'm like, Oh, Hey, I was really, I was interested in something I was seeing from, uh, you know, like with Max Muncie, he keeps making these big drops because like if he turns into 75% of the Max Muncie of the last three years, I want that over everything behind him. Right? Like mm-hmm. the problem is I'm getting less and less certain that that can possibly come. Mm-hmm. And even if it does, the impact is becoming too small to really make a difference for me. So he has to move way down. Or someone's like, why'd you move up Avisayel Garcia? Right? I'm like, well, because I'm, I'm noticing some things that Avisayel Garcia gets really hot. He hits the ball really, really hard. Right? The problem is he doesn't usually hit it very high. Right? But sometimes he does. And he does it in bunches. Uh, you'll also see this with, um, I mean, there's all kinds of players that do this. Javi Baez. Uh, last couple games, he has like one, he had like one or two strikeouts in his last five games. Like he had, he had more stolen bases than strikeouts over a five game period. Javi Baez, that Javi Baez, right? Like that matters to me. I'm going to move him way up my power rank because I know what a hot Javi Baez can do. And eventually he's going to cool off again. I'm going to drag him back down. That doesn't mean I'm inconsistent. It means right now, this is, this is how I like, this is the guy's power rank. Because what if he does like, what if he keeps striking out at a 25% rate? I got to reevaluate how I look at Javi Baez. So a lot of times when you're looking at this, it's like, you know, sometimes I have guys that are like, why is he still there? I'm like, because, because I like him. Like, because I think like, why did I just drop in O'Neill Cruz at 82? Like right in the middle of the list? Because like he's a six foot seven Adonis of a human who now has like the hardest hit ball, hardest thrown ball and the fastest run for his team in one day. Like that. That's such a good that's such a good one too because it's like that that's where I was gonna go next to to Steve's question about like you know if if you're you using this as like a trade chart or something then you don't have the luxury of like waiting to see what this player will do in their you know three week track record so I was gonna go Vinny Pasquantino because I'm really knocking on wood and praying to the gods that Friday is the day for Vinny and I and if he gets called up. I was curious, like what your process would be, but do you just look at the names and kind of based on projections and evaluation of the player, just kind of find a range that feels right. 
because that's such a tricky thing to balance for someone who you you haven't really seen. O'Neill Cruz was kind of like cheating because I just kind of took where I ranked him in the preseason because he should have been up this whole time. Yep. And uh, I had like a sort of base ranking. I was like, all right, obviously the rank, like the ranking I have now and the ranking I had at the beginning of the season is different, but it's like, I roughly felt he was in this tier of player and my opinion of them hasn't changed. And quite frankly, neither has the pirates. They just feel like having good baseball players on their team now, uh, which is great. Uh, I'm glad they decided to do that. But like a Vinny Pasquitino, you know, like right now he's in that he I've got what I, I've now renamed it to the taxi squad. Right. It's like 35 guys. <laughs> it's 35 guys that at any given time could jump on the list. And quite frankly, if you're looking at tier 13, which starts at 130 with Alec Thomas, if you wanted to talk me into picking up a guy off the taxi squad and one, instead of one of those guys, I won't fight you. It's not worth it. Right. Like mm-hmm. you might have. I mean, if you believe in uh, Jorge Mateo more than I do, just take him then get your stolen bases and go. <laughs> I don't care. Like I, I, you know, I can't compare him to Connor Joe who is just another Luis Arias clone, but wears black and purple, right? Like that's all, I mean, he's not quite as good at that, but a lot of people know what a Luis Arias is and it makes it easy. Or like, you could also say it's current DJ LeMahieu or Jeff McNeil or David Fletcher when he's healthy or any of those guys. Right. But first I look at a profile. I want to know upside. Gabriel Moreno would be a lot higher if they would just play him at catcher and uh, Alejandro Kirk at DH, right? But like, so the first thing that'll happen is with Vinny Pascatino, he's, he's been struggling a little bit in AAA. So, you know, I'm willing to, you know, I'll probably put him towards the back until I have some idea of how often he's going to play. Whereas Riley Green jumps right on at 125 because I know they want to play him every day. They, they, his, his debut was against a lefty and it did not have to be. Like they did not have to do that. And they, they put him right in the lineup right away. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm like, all right, well, if they're going to play him every day, I want to rank him, you know, at 125 because, uh, oh, actually I have to, I have to move him. He got slid off. He's 20, 124 now. I have to move him back. But, oh, that actually reminds me of another point. By the way, if you look at these lists and you see all that green and red, you're like, oh man, look at all these guys he moved. I didn't move most of them. If you look at this list, you'll assume that I only left 11 players where they were in the top 150. That would assume that I clicked on 139 of the other names and moved them. That's not how list building works. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. if I drag one, like, so if I'm looking at Justin Turner, I dragged him down 20 spots. So you know what else I did? I just took 20 guys. 20 guys moved, yeah. Yep. yeah. That's the other piece of context people have to understand uh-huh. from like a list. Because I didn't touch all those players. <laughs> like, why was he down? You know, they're like, oh, why is Juan Soto down eight, right? Like, he's still Juan Soto. Yeah, he sure is. And guess what? My second tier, it's super tight. Like, from Aaron, Ju- like Aaron Judge, Vlad Jr., Trey Turner, Jordan Alvarez, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, Bryce Harper, Kyle Tucker, Rafael Devers, Juan Soto, Mookie Betts, Manny Machado. I essentially could just put those names in like a hat and just draw them out at random. I'd you can make it. A, you can make an argument for like any of those guys. Like I, so, yeah. This tier is built to be like these are all guys I think should be in the top ten, and I have too many of them, right? Like <laughs> I have I have more players that I would consider a top ten caliber hitter than I have a top ten. So how can you know how can Juan Soto fall out of the top ten? Because there's ten guys I felt like putting ahead of him today, right? Like <laughs> I don't mean to be facetious, but at times it's like how can you rank so and so at eighty? If that's the only context you give me, my response is going to be, well, I guess I like seventy nine guys better than him, right? Mm-hmm. Like. That's, that's all there is, but also keep that in mind. I don't move all these guys individually. 
it's, you know, you'll find huge chunks of players that are like all green because I had just dragged a bunch of players down ahead of them who I, you know, I'm losing faith on, right? Everybody yeah. ranked, you know, everybody that was ranked behind Joey Gallo got a real nice boost, right? right. right. <laughs> he just fell down. Like they, everybody gets a plus one. It's actually really hard to be ex- Jeremy Pena says I didn't change his rank. I moved him four times. <laughs> he wound up back where he was. Oh, oh, that's like, so don't pay too much. Like when you see that number on the right, think of that as more of like a heat map. Like I wish I could make it like gradients of color, right? Like you can in Excel and be like, yeah. Oh, because a lot of those reds are like barely ascertainable color. And then some of the reds are like the deepest, richest cardinal that I could possibly have. Just drag them off the list. That's right? that's a great idea. We got to, uh, you know, bother some developers for that. Like, uh, you know, I just want a, a, a true movement. Like, you know, <laughs> like this guy moved down because this guy moved up. Like, you know, don't really worry about it too much. Like uh, and get some gradient colors. I, I love that idea for sure. And I want to get tags because like in when you're looking at hitters, those Nick talks about profiles of certain pitchers, right? Like he's all right, this guy's a Toby, right? That tells you a lot about how to use that player Mm -hmm. in fantasy and how to deploy them, right? Because if they're a Toby, there's no need to really hold on. Like if if Nick says it's a Toby, what I'll often do is if I disagree, I'll hold on for one more start, right? And Mm -hmm. if he still kind of looks like a Toby, like there's nothing different, he's not doing new stuff, like maybe he gets blown up, maybe he doesn't, but at least I have a context. It's hard for me to do that on the current hitter list, but I'd love to be able to say like OBP boost, right? If, if you're an on-base league, move this guy up, right? Or like batting average only. Like those guys, he, if you, you know, a lot of players, fantasy players, go to Yahoo or ESPN and they just go, okay, who's at the top for the last 15 days? I'll review them. Because the human brain is really limited into how many different options it can look at or care about at a single time. So you always look to shrink the list, right? All that's all of us. When we use leaderboards, we're just trying to shrink the list of things to care about, right? So right. <laughs> you're, you're doing that in the waiver wire. You're sorting by last 15 days. Here's the problem. You don't get those stats. Those are gone, right? Like, and anyone can be hot for two weeks and they might already be cold, right? You don't want to just look at that. But if I can give you some bad, like if I can give you some profiles, like, like a high contact hitter, right? It's all they do. Like they'll get really hot or a hot and cold power hitter, right? Like, ain't it like Fran Mill Reyes in his first start back to the home run and strike out four times, right? Like, yes, <laughs> like that's Perfect. He's a really hard guy to rank because he's so up and down. I used to call him the heartbeat hitter. If you looked at his rolling charts, it was like spike, bottom spike, high spike, low spike, <laughs> constantly. just like beep, beep, like right. all the time. So, I really would love to be able to like always tell people, or at least hopefully people can start seeing those archetypes. Cause like, that's a really hard guy for me to rank because some of you are willing to deal with that. And like, in many cases I am not like, I'm like, ah, I'm not waiting for this anymore. Like get out of here. I, I won't chase that. Or, you know, those kinds of things just because those all help you understand that type of player. Well, and it's almost more important for, hitters to have those archetypes because you know most of the time you're trying to build some balance to your roster and if you do have Fran Mill and Stanton and Eugenio Suarez then Stephen Kwan is you know the type of boy scout on plate discipline that you really need on your team and it's like that's less of a thing I mean sure there's like high strikeout guys and you know Tobies and stuff like that but 
in cherry bombs, all that. But with hitters, it seems like I'm more actively trying to balance categories and a roster construction on offense than I am with pitchers, where it's mainly like I'm looking for stuff, I'm looking for Ks, and hopefully you're not going to destroy my ratios. But I, I think that'd be a, an awesome addition to the list of just an icon or a tag or something like that. You're going to have to think of a lot, a lot of cheesy nicknames for all these groups, the different types of hitters and players to catch up to uh, I'll just all, like, all the I'll, groupings that Nick's at, Nick has. I'll just keep talking to Nick about hitters until he gets tired of it and just starts saying <laughs> weird stuff. And that's what we'll Yes. Yes. We'll that's exactly what you need to do. Yeah, yes. That's, that's the way it works. But I, you know, the other thing I would love about those tags is to be like points league guy. Right. Or, um, yeah, you know, like, auto, yeah, you know. Vol- like, or like volatile player or like just really hot rookie, like Michael Harris, the second, I, I yeah. can't stop raising him up this list. I can't right now because I watched him struggle and I saw him come out of it. Like, that's another thing about this list is sometimes I wait, like, this guy's getting worse. Aren't you going to drop him? Not yet. Because if he recovers now, that'll be like normal or that'll actually be an improvement because every player has to go through adjustment periods, even Mike Trout. What makes them good is that they get the adjustment done. They make the adjustment. Whereas a lot of players who fizzle out, the Aristides Aquinos of the world, right, can get hot the one time. But once pitchers started to understand some weak points, he was never able to adjust to that. So he became a bench bat instead of like us. Like So we still remember that he had like the craziest home run streak that you can think of. But pretty soon, that's not no one's going to remember that because he wasn't really able to make adjustments, couldn't stick in the league. Uh, I mean, a lot of a lot of teams remember their like famous all star that wasn't actually good. The the Cubs have Brian LaHare. Brian LaHare, yes, <laughs> yeah. I like love that, it. That's the guy, but like he just never made adjustments, and that's why he couldn't stick in the league. He was able to come up and hit whenever pitchers said like pitchers give you that like sort of default look in the beginning, right? They have some scouting on you, but like all right, you know what? I don't know you. I'm going to execute what I think I do best, and sometimes that's fastballs, and it really shouldn't be. Right. And young player or whatever player gets hot. And even Statcast says, oh, look at all the red. Everything's legit. Yeah. He is hitting the ball really well for two weeks. It, you know, because if you've ever played a sport or done anything in your life, you'll know that sometimes you go on a hot streak. Sometimes you're at the casino or you're, you're like, even in your job, you might get a little hot streak. Or like I play goalie <laughs> for, you know, rec league soccer before I ripped my knee. But like I do that and sometimes I couldn't be worse. And sometimes I was playing way above my head, right? Like good teams are like, Hey, do you want to play for us? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not good enough, man. I know but, what pumpkin I'm going to turn back into, right? Like you don't, that's the problem. Uh, Cause they only saw a little bit of the number they saw. They watched one game. They got a good scouting report, man, this guy really moves. I'm like, not usually, <laughs> but today I must be feeling limber because I'm making saves. Like that's a real thing. It happens at the professional level. You know, guys will talk like they're up there and it looks like the ball looks like a beach ball. Right. And they just seem to hit everything. And then it stops like Alec Bohm this year, hot to start. Right. I'm like, ah, well, he doesn't have a lot of power. I was able to sort of identify him as a Luisa Reyes type clone. And I'm like, well, hey, if he continues to make adjustments, this can be a really useful player like Luisa Reyes or it might not. And it goes into more of an Adam Frazier type. Right. Who is marginally mm-hmm. useful when hot. Right. Or Connor Joe, who is now marginally useful when at home. Right. But like I, I was willing to take a gamble because I'm like, yeah, he has a plenty of prospect pedigree. I've seen him have power before. If he has just a little bit of power to this game, he now looks more like a Ty France or a Brian Reynolds than he does a Luis Arias. Right. Different kinds of upside. 
but then he never made the adjustment. He never really started hitting for power. So I pulled him back down the list again. Cause I'm like, ah, well, turns out you're the, you're the just plain old guy. I thought you were, but in the list, I, I try to adapt to that. I'm like, yeah, this guy's, you know, this guy is seen as more valuable right now because if he, you know, if he can do this, he'll be really good. That's a hard thing to talk about in the list itself. Riley green is 125 because I'm like, man, he's started kind of hot. He doesn't look overmatched, right? Like that's the big thing I look for in a young player. Doesn't look overmatched. It doesn't look like he's never going to get a hit, right? Like he's up there. He, yeah, same reason I haven't given like the tigers haven't given up on Torkelson. He's not striking out. It's not like he can't do this. He just needs to make slightly better contact because the difference between a barrel and a, you know, a grounder that's not worth much on the bat is what like measured in millimeters right? Like mm-hmm. they're that close. And for a guy like Torkelson, or you mentioned Michael Harris, the second, like Riley green for guys that have that, you know, the U word with, with upside, if they show you something, are you much more likely to move them dramatically? Like I know, what was it? Brendan Harris. Donovan did not debut at 82 like O'Neill Cruz did. And you could argue that I have more, you know, I have more reliable data on Brendan Donovan than I do O'Neill Cruz. Uh, and you'd be, you'd be right. I have more major league sample from Brendan Donovan by a wide margin. And I don't care because I kind of have an idea of the archetype that Brendan Donovan is, right? Mm-hmm. And I also have an idea of the archetype that O'Neill Cruz could be. And that's a gamble I'd really like to take because there's a capped upside with some of these players, you know, like a Brendan Donovan. Or, uh, you know, a lot of these guys, if, if I see the skit, like the talent is just capped. Yeah, great. They're on a hot streak, but how good could they be? You're willing to wait on a Max Muncy who's really stunk because like, but if, if he turns it on, this is what can happen. That's that you were that upside, right? Can this player yeah. have an impact? This is the impact Brendan Donovan can have. He can have a couple weeks at maybe even the whole season as a, as a good waiver wire pickup. Yeah. Yeah, there there needs to be a distinction between, and and this I guess was kind of uh, a little bit to the main point of my first original rant there. Like O'Neill Cruz could be a league winner. I'm not saying he he is or or will be, but Brendan Donovan could be a useful player. Where O'Neill Cruz could you know be a top five shortstop for the rest of the way. Like uh, th- th- that I think is fair and I think needs to be in consideration for these lists and why a guy like O'Neill Cruz can be, you know, debut and boom, right at 80 because there is a, you know, a non-zero chance that he goes way higher than that this year. Right. Uh, Brendan Donovan probably isn't going to be higher than where he is right now. Yeah. Like how much better than Jake Cronenworth could he possibly be? Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the sort of analysis you have to start thinking of. Like, mm-hmm. I haven't seen very much good from Chris Bryant yet, right? Because he's been hurt and all this other stuff. But I'm still keeping him ranked right around like a Riz Hos- uh, a Reese Hoskins because, like, if Chris Bryant comes back and looks anything like he did for really any of the teams for the last two years and gets to do it in Colorado, I want that. I want that on my team. I probably yeah, think about where he was. Back. Think about where he was drafted after he signed in Colorado, right? Like, not much has changed other than him. He- him getting hurt and just not playing. Yeah. Since but, but that time's gone. That's the beauty of time moves in one straight line. <laughs> forward. He's missed all that time. We only care about how much more time he'll miss. 
right? That's the analysis. Not that he has missed time. I don't care. I care about how much more time will he miss. So all that to be said, I mean, as long as you're playing in like a five by five category head to head league, would you say this can be used as kind of a today or this week's trade chart? Yeah, in a way, right? Because like other teams, they just have specific needs, right? Mm-hmm. I think it is a it's a decent starting point when you're just trying to talk about, um, you know, in a vacuum, right? Or or even just I'm interested in this player. What other players are around that range? that maybe I have that offer a different profile. I think it's, I think the tiers are a great way to, to apply that. I do that with, with pitchers too. Like, you know, if I'm deciding who to shop, right. Like sometimes you kind of fall in love with your players. Like if you look at, okay, like I have these four pitchers in the same tier, like, all right, I'm kind of comfortable in the trade. If I'm trying to trade a pitcher for a hitter or something like, okay, I could deal from this tier. Um, I, I think that might be, um, a good way yeah. to, to look at it because there is so much con- context dependent, like Scott said. I mean, like Andrew Vaughn, highly touted, you know, he was highly touted as a prospect. He's been hitting really well. Um, if someone offered you in your league, O'Neill Cruz for Andrew Vaughn, you can't answer the question because you'd think which league, right? <laughs> it mm-hmm. matters, right? But like that, that's sort of where the tears can really come in. Like O'Neill Cruz kind of got to a place where I was like, oh, this is harder for me to answer. Most of the time, I don't have like a default leaning one way or the other. So this is the tier you're in. Welcome home, right? Like that's <laughs> that's yeah. kind of how it works in, you know, so you could sort of say it's a trade chart, but probably more accurately, uh, it's a blend of trade chart slash projection, um, but it's definitely not a, this is how good they've been so far. Yeah, and also, makes, of course, you also need to use your head to think of when you look at this list, because the list exists for a league that, you know, you probably aren't playing it. It's generally designed for the Yahoo format because that's what Nick likes. And it's really shallow, right? Like Yahoo's raw default roster has no middle infield, no corner infield, three mm-hmm. outfield, two utility. That's a really shallow, like playing in those leagues for folks that are used to NFBC or something like that. It's really weird. Because really good players are just sitting out there, right? That you just don't like Riley. Like Riley Green has been added because he has a lot of upside. But there's a lot of good players that you'd argue like, oh, he really should be on a roster. That there's just not room for them. And it's it's right? hard to know who it's hard to know who to cut for them. Like it's yeah. hard to know who to cut for a hot hitter. It and the break like the amount of talent or the amount of production to break through and become a meaningful impact player in a shallow a ten or a twelve team Yahoo league is high. It's really hard because mm-hmm. you're competing against like top 80 players. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have like a loud, t- if you don't have like a loud skill or if you don't have a great pedigree, like how does Brendan Donovan get in the conversation of top 50? Never. Exactly. Ne- until, <laughs> not unless he's a different hitter, which I'm willing to accept can happen, but it hasn't happened today. So he stays where he is. Yeah. So then you definitely lean, you know, the upside and in, in those shallower leagues to try to, same Basically reason I make an impact. Yeah. Same reason I boost Javi Baez by 25 points, right? It's like the same thing because look, hot Javi matters in all league contexts, right? Yep. I, he's I giving you steals. He's giving you homers. Like he's on a run where he is a top 10 player. Like he does yeah. it basically every year. Javi Baez goes on a yeah. run like that. So like I'm getting excited because I'm seeing the things that I need to see for that to start happening. Um, and like, so he shoots way up the list. Cause I'm like, he's really, he's going to be really relevant soon. I think 
you might be a player to, to target with your, you know, whatever. But, you know, in two weeks, he could be very high or very low because either he's looking like he can be a top 50 player for some time and really matter, must start, or it looks like, ah, never mind, didn't happen, fizzled out, get, you know, back to the basement, sorry. Yeah, but the impact is worth worth the gamble for sure, and you can't can't miss on that. And like no, Chris makes... Taylor dragged way down because I just no longer see a path to being more than replacement level. There was a time when I thought he might be better than replacement level, right? Because he's been that before, but not this year. So down the list you go now because now you're just a guy, right? A Toby of the offense. Yeah, we we need we need a. <laughs> Uh, uh, an offensive Toby term for for that Chris Taylor for you know uh, 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 Brendan Donovan. I know uh, Gray at Ra- Rasball calls him uh, hot uh, potatoes, which is pretty funny. But uh, we'll we'll need a pitcherless one to, to to do that there because it, it is such a thing. Like you know, I, I know that Nick has like the Vargas rule for pitchers that guys that go on runs, but. That happens so much more often with hitters, right? Because there are so many more smaller samples each day, and there are these little runs that happen. Uh, and then for you know for those elite guys, like you know you see the run that like you know Jordan Alvarez is on, and, and Paul Goldschmidt's been for the last month. Like the best players in baseball, like when they go on these runs, they are top five hitters, but inevitably it cools off like you know even to an extent of like you know Mike Trout like you know he's hit eight home runs in the last two weeks or whatever but before that he was like 0 for 30 so like for the guys that are slightly less talented to navigate through that I think is so difficult and why I I would never want to put together a list like this and why it's so (laughs) it's so hard and and I think you do a great job Scott of just like contextualizing it and giving reason and like you know i i think that that the fact that like you could move up javi Baez before the hot streak happens like it doesn't matter if you move him you know if he hits 10 homers and has eight steals in the next four weeks and then he moves off the list like you want to be able to add him before that happens or trade him before that happens so like you know to move him up when you start seeing those things i think is an even more you know awesome and and another reason why that you should be sort of using this uh as a resource uh each and every week so uh it's a perfect example and i think exactly sort of you know my issue with it and like how to combat it like right like you want to act before like you want to add isaac paredes before he hits the three home runs oh. or four home he runs in two Eastock, days, baby. yeah, that's your that's your boy, that's your boy. Yeah, a little a, a little birthday gift. Uh, we'll we'll we'll, st- we'll have the home stretch Paredes, of the podcast with four, four homers in two days for Scott. He's, he's you know the funny thing about him is he's got a really so he was a Tigers prospect. So that's mm-hmm. the only reason I know about him. And there's a lot of guys that didn't like him because he's he's like uh, I think they usually they they usually call him something like a bad body hitter, right? They make of that what you will. Right. He's like not the fittest looking dude all the time. Uh, and he's not necessarily the most athletic, but ever like even in the minors, he was hitting with Torkelson and Riley Green and he was performing as well as they were in triple A. Right. He's not as good as them. The upside is lower, but he could be a heck of a hit tool guy. Right. It's like it's kind of weird. So it's kind of weird that he's got this sellout for power, except he doesn't because he's not striking out a ton. 
he's making either really bad contact or really good contact, which makes me think he's starting to hone in. And like, as he does that, like, hopefully it starts to hone in more. So it's less consistent. So it'll be more consistent, maybe less bombastic, but more consistent. And they should have practice after Yandy Diaz down there, you know, whatever. It's like, this is a new lease on life for the Yandy project with (laughs) Isak. So, and you know, ultimately like I've wanted to put him on the list so bad and I can't yet. Uh, because you know, I have, if, if I really like a player, I actually make it harder on them because I, I know I'm biased. You don't want to be biased. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's He's fair. on the taxi squad already. Yeah, but, but Steve had a really good point. And like one of the hardest things is with Mike Trout, he's really easy to rank because if someone disagrees with you, you just kind of shrug your shoulders and go, okay, well he's Mike Trout. So <laughs> I think I, you know, I'll take this back. Yeah. Right. I can't do that with Dansby Swanson. I can't straw all these Dansby Swanson. It's going to be fine. <laughs> It, that doesn't work. Right, <laughs> it right. lacks the weights you're looking for, right? Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, you can't do that. So it, it makes them way harder to rank, right? Because I have to be like, well, what What if he goes back to being the crappy Dansby Swanson? Yeah. Now, granted, I've got him up and I'm likely to hold him there because he's hitting second behind Ronald Acuna Jr. And in front of a bunch of other very good hitters, he's in an ideal situation. And with Albies out, he's got no one to compete with him for that number two hole. Cause he and Ozzy Albies had been flopping back and forth. If one of them was hitting second, the others was hitting like seventh, right? Very different fantasy, like places to be. Right. Maybe Michael like, Harris will come for him though. Oh, I know. You know right. You like, never that's, know. The one. that's the one, but like they can move up. Like I, I don't mind seeing Michael Harris just hit sixth for now. Right. You don't have to put a ton yeah. of pressure on the kid. I, I, have, I, have a, I have a hot take with Michael Harris. I, I kind of like him in the nine hole because he's got Acuna protecting him. Oh, yeah, like the, it's, the baby it's, lead off. It's yeah. the best nine hole in the league. Yeah, I mean, there and there's there's actually something to that. Like as as much as all of you, they can't see, we're all chuckling a little, just a little, but not much, right? Because there actually is a lot of value there. Sure, it robs him of plate appearances, yes. but also he's a young player. He doesn't always need them, right? They're not always good, right? Like you don't always yeah. want him. Uh, there was a guy that used to come up every year, uh, Colin Moran, right? Colin Moran would every year someone would ask me, should I rank Colin Moran? And he's this first third base righty who hits left or lefty who hits righties. That's all he is. And he goes on these hot streaks and I would tell people like, you can roster him all you want. There's a valuable player there, but not if you play him every day, right? It's sort of like Jock Peterson. Like, the biggest fear yeah. I have with Jock Peterson is that he goes back to being a guy that like the Dodgers will play or, you know, whatever team he's on, they'll play him every day and you should not. Right. Because right. he's limited as it or now right now he's raking. So I'm willing to push him up, but there's always that fear in my mind. I've seen Jock Peterson do this a ton of times where the bottom falls out because everyone's like, fine, we'll only give you lefties then. And he's like, oh, man, and he everybody has a bad time. So, you know, <laughs> it's one of the things I it's always like there's so many things I want to say in the rankings that also don't make sense as notes. So I'm glad somebody asked me about it because it's like that the difference between ranking Mike Trout and Dansby Swanson isn't looking at their old stats. A lot of times the difference is like, what, what do I know about the guy? I can rely on Mike Trout. I can set my watch to Mike Trout and not to Dansby Swanson. It, it's once you start, once you start getting past those barriers, then you start looking at archetypes and like, Oh, this is the type of player he is. Everything starts to become more clear and you use tools like this better. Like, ah, I see you're the, you know, you're the king of the, the high contact guys or, Oh, I see, you know, he's got, you know, between Schwarber and Reese Hoskins, two very similar profiles. Like, where do I rank them? That'll give you an idea of my opinion between the two and upside between the two. Cause you've got, you understand that that's apples to apples. 
and not just the player immediately above and immediately below. Well, it's an impressive list. And like Steve said, don't envy the, the process that goes into it. But for everybody listening, definitely go and check out. There are a lot of major movers on the one Scott put out just last night as you're listening to this. Uh, but that pretty much rounds us out. I mean, Scott, it's the birthday night for you. I think uh, you're pretty much moving straight over to First Pitch Podcast, which you do almost every day now. So uh, yeah. what do you got, like a half hour break here? Or? Uh, that would assume I ever get it out on time. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in theory, I better get on that pretty soon. You'll you'll have some uh, Isak Paredes to talk about, so so that that's that, at least you got that to look forward to, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll be I'll probably be listening to this podcast and like working on the first pitch podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, yeah. that, that that's some Inception. That's like pitcherless <laughs> podcast network Inception. Yes. We're gonna have to talk to Adam about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm just to, to get out of that, yeah. Yeah. Quoting myself from the previous podcast where I quoted myself. Say hi. Yeah, say hi to yourself. Tell, tell yourself to get a coffee refill, oh something. That's how I know uh, I've made it. I've made it. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, oh you guys God. can follow Scott on Twitter at if the shoe fits, but it's C H U for Scott Chu's last name, if the shoe fits. And I'm Van at underscore, or I'm at Van underscore verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. Uh, this was a blast, guys. Uh, closing thoughts. Uh, this was just a lot of fun, and uh, can't wait to take a lot of the learnings here and uh, put them into practice from the X stats to the, the hitter list. But it, it was awesome having you on, Scott. And uh, Steve, great, as always, chatting with you as well, man. Yeah, if, if uh, Isak Paredes has another like three or four home run day, what we're going to do is we're we're going to do another show. I'll do it on Hatch and Jacks. We're bringing in Trevor Huth because he was a hater back in the day. And we'll just <laughs> pull him back we're just in. all going to get together and we're going to let him know that he was wrong. And I think I it'll be it. the best content I've ever created. I love it. I love it. Uh, oh, thanks for coming on scott really appreciate it uh you know uh honored to have you uh on this podcast uh, you know uh, you were one of the first guys obviously other than nick that uh i followed at pitcher list so uh really appreciate it love all the work you do and uh you know can't thank you enough for coming on and uh can't wait for first first pitch podcast tomorrow morning because uh you know with the newborn i'll, I'll be up uh, and waiting for it to to, to come so uh, yeah, it'll be a, a slight joy to that- to my day that sleep thing isn't a plateau no. the wall you bang your head on over and over again. I love that. Like it's not I mean, like you I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. You don't feel the same tired. It's like hitting the worst tired you ever had yeah. again uh, and again and again. Uh, yes. Correct. I want to see Steve's rolling charts on tired and exhaustion because <laughs> I think it's just, yeah, like this is the guy yeah, you want to target. The, this is the Fran Will Reyes uphill, you know, hot streak. Here's, uh, the beautiful thing is it'll look like a normal chart, but then you'll be like, wait a minute, where's the red line for the league average? Right? <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're, on a new, we're on a new scale. Yes, it's a totally new scale. <laughs> totally, totally new scale. Oh, I love it. Well, that is Scott Chu, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks as always for listening to Wins Above Fantasy. We will talk to you next Thursday, every Thursday, the rest of the season. But until then, enjoy your baseball and good luck this week. Thanks, guys. Later. Yeah, get some sleep.